A Murder of Crows contains graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Are we starting? Should I wait? Oh, you go ahead. Oh, okay. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. Howdy ho, neighborinos. I'm just realizing I don't have that, uh... That whole thingy up that we uh, we talk about in the beginning. The oh, show the outline. The script, if you will. The thing that's... The lies and deception where we tell people where to email us. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's exactly the one. Hey, you know, while you pull this up, I am going to give a shout out to Draco. Because, oh my god. The artwork. It's just... Yeah, it looked <sighs> great. It's really mind-blowing. Like, I love the animation of these damn crows. I know, they're <laughs> like, great. <laughs> like, oh my god, I really wish we got into, um, like, more merch. But, like, uh-huh. if we did, or if we ever become, like, super-duper popular and we need to make merch, then... Draco, you're hired. Yeah, no, like, hands down, like, I will pay you my life savings to have a shirt <laughs> with these damn crows. Like, Yeah, for real. I love them so much. <sighs> we love them so much that we're talking about them before we even get to the shout-out segment and Kat got off script. I'm sorry. I can't help myself. First of all, <laughs> we don't do this often enough. And second of all, I just I love it. So. <laughs> well, anyway. Also, I have a boo-boo on my knee. So. <laughs> yes, she does. Um, guys. So, um, this is a Murder of Crows podcast. You're wondering why we're talking about crows. That's why. <laughs> You clicked onto this and you're like, what the fuck's going on? Why does this bitch like birds so much? Yeah. <laughs> we talk about murder sometimes. Occasionally. <laughs> Should be more often than we do. <laughs> we do our best. Oh, yeah, anyway. Um, the podcast that tries. Yeah, that's us. Um, so, is there anything you want to eat crow about from last last time? No, I don't think so. Also, I'm sorry, my window's open. If you hear trucks. Okay. No big deal. But, um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Mm-mm. Hi, yeah. welcome back. Hey, hi, welcome back. We're here again, we promise. I think it's only last, been two weeks. When was the last episode we did? I think it was two weeks. Was it? Roughly, something like that. Mm-hmm. It was before my birthday, and now it's after my birthday. So. It's been almost a month. Oh, <laughs> Time flies when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I love that you like, oh, I think it's only been like two weeks. And I'm like, June 20th. It's July 15th. <laughs> right. Uh, well, anyway. Hey, I said maybe once a month, so we're still on track. We are still on track. Yes. Um, yep. Yeah. So, hi. Um, I'm 29 now. Welcome to being older. <laughs> Welcome to the club, cat. <laughs> um, the oldest I've ever been. Yeah. So, um, if you want to send us an email, you can at a murder of crows podcast at gmail.com. Draco, that's a murder of crows podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I miss seeing your emails. If you could just shoot one my way, I don't go on Facebook anymore. So, all these things I'm seeing, I'm seeing on behalf of Cat. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't that's Timon. Take screenshots. That's just I don't annoying. know if you heard Timon just then. He just went, oh, What's wrong? Sadly. Okay. Well, anyway, yeah, Draco, a murder of crows podcast at gmail.com. 
uh, Instagram. Also, Ellen. I remember Ellen. her being alive at some point. Yeah, Ellen was. We Ellen and I were discussing a little bit, and I don't know if you saw the email, but hi, Ellen. I don't know if you heard the last week's episode. I said last week, and it's definitely been a month. <laughs> <laughs> See, time flies when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Um. Anyway, hi, Ellen. Um, yeah, so um, our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook are all at AMOC Podcast. Our closed Facebook group is Our Murder of Crows, like yours, mine, and ours. And, um, well, we got a Patreon, but no one goes there, so. <laughs> Someone pay my bills. Uh, hi. Oh, hi. Hello. Can you take your panty ass somewhere else? Thanks. Sorry. Uh, yeah, but that's patreon.com slash murder of crows podcast. Anyway, so um uh the shout out was Draco again. Draco, mm-hmm. those artists artists, I was gonna I listen, it's been a very long day. <laughs> the drawings that you did, you are quite an artist. That's what mm-hmm. I was trying to say. Mm-hmm. I love it. I absolutely like, love it. Man, it's it's funny because you know, usually when you see someone like draws you something, like you get like that little you know, that feeling in your chest, you're like, oh, this is so sweet. Yes. And like, this is so su- I love this. So not only do I get that, but it's also combined with the dumb shit we say. And right. the looks on the crow's faces are just, Chef they kiss. give me the biggest giggles. And I love mm-hmm. it. I love yes. it. And you're supplying me with so much joy. Truly. I love it. Thank you for that. And uh, we never say no. So if you got more, send them our way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Keep drawing them. Keep taking um, every dumb thing I say and just throw it in. Just throw it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, um, do you want to tell them what we're doing again this week? Yeah. So it's the next decade, you know. And uh, so it's 1910 to 1919 of uh, some nasty people. That is See? correct. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to make a footnote before I start my story, because I go first. My dude. My guy. My guy. (laughs) My man. (laughs) See, he technically started. Technically. Oh, I I didn't hear the correct. Okay, continue. All right. So, he technically. Technically. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot talk today. Okay, so he technically, like, started, like, his first was in, like, 1909. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know what? We're just going to go with it. If it doesn't work and y'all are, are not okay with it, I'll talk about someone else next time. It's fine. We're going to give me a little bit of a, what is it called? Uh, honestly, I saw your dude all over Yeah. the pages and stuff. Yeah. This was the one I was going to do last time because his first was in 1909. And then I was like, eh, that, I don't think that really counts if you did most of it during this time. So anyway. Yes. I'm going to start now. Okay. Also, this is all in, I think, German. So. um, I got a chick from Minnesota. I did not fuck myself this time. Well, so brace yourself for me to, to, you know, mispronounce everything. Because there's some very long words. Let's go. All right, here we go. <clears throat> so I'm doing Carl Denke. Denk. Yeah. Sure. The Cannibal Killer. Yummy. 
Love. So Carl here, our good old friend Carl. Cat and I know a Carl. Um, the same way, man. Yeah. He's a weirdo. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry. Jeez, Carl, well, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but you know why I'm saying that you're a weirdo. So does he? I would hope so. After that. Ground really zero. Fucking weird hangout date thing he took me on. So, yeah. Anyway, so this Carl, he was born on August 10th, 1870 in. Oh, I'm excited. Oh, I got to follow along. Don't say it. Don't say it. I want to see how bad he fucked this up. Or okay. how bad we fucked this up, I guess. It's the first sentence. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and it has two names. All right, hey, here Connor, we go. You lived in Germany for a while. You want to come and read this? <laughs> I'm going to take a sip of wine before I give it a try. I'm going to highlight it in case Connor comes in here. There you go. All right. I'm going to sip of wine here. All right. So he was born in Oberkunzendorf. <laughs> the accent. Right. Today oh, but in... it's known as what? Oh. All right, here okay. we go. That's Today a good is it? <laughs> I think Uber Kusendorf is a lot better than whatever the fuck this is. All right, here we go. Uh, today it's. Oh, man. Got it. <laughs> Kalindowis Gorn. <laughs> yeah, let's go with it. Let's I gave it a it. Swedish tinge, but you know. Oh, God. Now what's this word? You've got a few words. All in. <laughs> Okay. All right. So he was born in Oberkusendorf. Today, Kalinsen Guamperfrischner um, <laughs> in Lower Silesia and moved to Munsterberg. Oh, I know that. It's because of cheese. It's called Munster. All right. Today's Munster- what? Munsterberg. And today it's known as. Zai, Zai, Don't lick me with the. No, no. Don't lick my armpit. Hey, Connor, you want to pronounce a few German words? No. Come on. The the German class. Words suck. Yes, they do. The class wants to hear some proper German. Mister Yeager Last Hall, man. Yeah, Yeager Last Hall, man. Hey, welcome back. Um, can we can we pronounce that word for the class? Yeah, this one right here. This one. Oberkunzendorf. Okay, that's how she said it. All right, known as what today? Kalinowice? Wait, no. <laughs> Kalinowice. Vice? That's Vice. what I said. Okay, so vice. And then how do you pronounce the thing with the thing on top? The O with the thing? Is it an R-N? It's an O-R-N-E. But it, has, but it has that little doodad on top of the O. Gorn. Oh, okay. What about this word? Zibis? What? I don't... (laughs) I have no idea. The year in Germany really worked out for you. Okay. Yeah, no, you can learn how to pronounce things. Okay, and would it be Carl's... Would it be Carl Denk or Denky or... I have no idea. It could be either. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Eat your last hall, man, everybody. Glad I could be of some help. Can you give us a, a good old southern word for the class, for everybody? Uh, what, what incarnation? 
What in tarnation? <laughs> what in tarnation? What in tarnation? All right. All right, back to the story. Okay, so that whatever. Was some, like he Sesame was, Street shit right there. He okay. was born somewhere in some place in Germany and moved somewhere else in Germany 10 years later. Yep. Okay, uh, all right. <laughs> I'm sorry somewhere. if you hear the dogs behind me. I wish someone would take care of them. Anyway, he was a somewhat dull, if not... Oh, I'm not going to say this mentally word. Mentally challenged. Um, mentally disabled child. Is that the correct terminology these days? I think I would say so. I mean, okay. to be fair, back in the day, that's what the proper word was. No, I know but it was, yeah. but this is 2021. We don't use that word. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he was a somewhat dull, n not very mentally right. gifted child. Yeah. He quit school and left home at the age of 12 to work as an apprentice with a gardener. Lucky. When he turned 25, his father died. Very sad. His brother took over the family farm while Carl was given money to buy some land. Being an unsuccessful farmer, he sold the land and bought a house in town. Oh, God. On present Stawawa Street. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, however, recession forced him to sell again this property. And he was finally left with a little apartment on the first floor and a small shed in the backyard of his house. Denke's first victim was most probably, most probably, Emma Sander, a 25-year-old girl killed in 1909. However... This was established only 15 years later, after his death. The latter occurred on a Sunday night of December 21st, 1924. That day, around 1 p.m., a man covered in blood ran into the local police station. He was visibly terrified and told the officers that it was Carl Denke who tried to kill him with a pickaxe. Okay, so the policeman could not believe the stranger... I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Where are we? I lost track. Right here, oh. I highlighted it. Vincenz sure. Oliver was a vagabond. Uh, while Carl had had a perfect reputation among inhabitants of Munsterberg, a town of 9,000 where everyone knew each other. So it's like, cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. That, that's that. the name of the show, right? Yeah. Everyone knows your name? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Right, so, however, a doctor confirmed that Oliver must have been attacked with a heavy cutting tool. Finally, Denke was arrested. He confirmed attacking Oliver, but he, but he claimed he was just defending his property from an unknown burglar. So, wait a second. Okay. Wait a second. This guy is like, hey, this guy attacked you with a pickaxe. And the guy's like, no, no, he didn't attack you with a pickaxe. He attacked you with a sharp object. Yeah. What? What the or, fuck? Well, I think that they didn't believe him at first, and then the doctors were like, nah, this guy was definitely killed or attacked, not killed. The guy was definitely attacked with a heavy cutting tool. And then they're like, oh, well, that's a pickaxe. And then they're like, all right, I guess what we'll the go. Fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. What's the point of going through? Okay. I Sounds good. Let's go yeah, for all this busy really. nonsense for no reason. All right. Continue. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. 
I'm a little confused because it says a few hours later, Denke's body was found dead in the police station cell. The well-respected citizen had hung himself using a handkerchief. Why did he hang himself? Oh, okay. No, I'm okay. I'm not confused anymore because in my brain, I thought it was happening in 1909, but this happened in 1924. Okay, moving on. So, right. So, basically, on December 21st, 1924, a dude came into the cops and they were like, yo, this guy Carl fucking attacked me with a pickaxe. And they were like, nah, man, that didn't happen. But then a doctor was like, well, actually, factually, he was attacked with some kind of cutting tool that's heavy. They were like, all right, well, we'll go arrest Carl then. So then they did. And then a few hours lady, lady, a few hours later, Carl was like, you know what? I'm done with this. And he hung himself in the police station cell. That's so random. Yeah, using a handkerchief. A few days later, on December 24th, Christmas Eve, also known as Yeed Your Last Tall Man's Birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Nice the, yeah, thank you. The policemen went to Denke's house. In order to describe what they saw there, it is best to pre- it is best to refer to the report given by Frederick Petruski the acting head of the Institute of Legal Medicine in Breslau. The report dates back to 1926 and was pu- published in the Deutsch... Oh, for Christ's sake. Cat. <laughs> oh! <laughs> All right. Uh, so you, I think you have the first word right for sure. Deutsch is right. Yes. Zeitschrift für sure. Guess Guess oh, guess mine. Oh my god, these fucking Germans. <laughs> okay, whatever. It was published in some kind of shit. Whatever it was, oh, y'all can look it up. If fucking, y'all can look up if you're curious. I don't know if it means anything, but it says in parentheses here, band eight, comma s, seven hundred two to seven twenty six. There you go. Figure it out. All right. It was quoted after Mark. Fuck his last name. Fucking Germans. All right. I can say that. I'm German. <laughs> I can't, so I'm going to let Kat speak for me. All right. <laughs> Whew, okay. Yeah. That was a fucking one, two, three, four, five, six word long name. <coughs> Who needs a newspaper that's that long? If that's even I mean, a newspaper. What does it say? It just published? It doesn't even say it's, it's a newspaper. published in who knows what. A magazine. A grindstein main zinein. I don't fucking know. It was in All one right. of those. All right. Yeah. So quote from Mark. Mark, who gives a shit about his last name? Quote: The findings Word. were made. The findings made in Denke's house during the search were bones and pieces of meat. Oh. The latter were found in a salt solution found in a wooden drum. There were altogether 15 pieces with skin. Two parts of the breast, which is strongly hairy. What? Hairy breast, most likely a man. Someone who... Yeah, I hope so. Born as a man. I mean, if you got hairy titties, you got hairy titties. I mean, mean, if you you do, it's totally no hate. Yeah, if you got hairy titties, I mean, you go. You have... You do. This conversation's getting really weird. Anyway, 
I suppose I should say, um, I guess, trigger warning to um, 15 seconds ago. <laughs> it's about to get gross. Yeah, hairy okay. titties. Right. So uh, after that, <laughs> the torso is cut through the middle. Oof. Three fingers above the navel. So where your belly button is, put three fingers there, and that's where it's cut. Sorry. This uh, stuff always makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. It's a lateral limit. Its lateral limit is the front shoulder blade. Wait, what, is it, what the fuck does that mean? So maybe it's cut It's cut from three fingers up the navel to where the shoulder blade is at the front. Oh, my. Okay. In the piece Sounds of good. the anterior abdominal wall... The middle of the navel is visible. The remaining pieces belong to the side and back parts. The strongest, or excuse me, the largest is about 40 by 20 centimeters large. Particularly striking. Oh boy. I'm just gonna let you read this as I read along here. Particularly (laughs) striking. (laughs) <laughs> was a very a clean trial. anus <laughs> with a large with a hand wait okay a particularly striking was a very that clean a- anus with hand large parts of both oh so the size of your hand large oh so it's a parts big of the butt. well it's I guess it depends big- on the size of your hand I got small hands yeah I mean, are we talking like a man hand? Because are we talking like Cameron's hand? He says, with, talking my he says hand? with hand large. Yeah, like that's like saying like with a nickel size in Old English or Old German, oh, I guess. Oh yeah. Well, I'm that's, just gonna assume it's a it's a juicy booty cheeks. Well, actually, I think there's pictures. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. I'm really excited to see a clean anus. Yeah. Some okay. Slabs of meat on the table somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, they're there anyway. Okay, so um, well, so it's a very, story. very clean anus with large parts of the butt. You, David. All right, here we go. The meat, which is very <laughs> weird to say at this point. I don't like it. You store. It's, it's getting it's very, so hard for me to get through. Very detailed. Here we go. <laughs> Great. <laughs> We're only on page uh, two of eight, so. Buckle up, buttercup. <laughs> Buckle up, princess. Let's go. <laughs> All right. The meat is brownish red. <laughs> and it does not feel as if the body would have lost much blood. So I guess there's a, there's a plus. <laughs> okay. On the back, some soft bluish discoloration is visible. As well as livor mortis. Yeah, it's isn't that when you're like hand or like that's rigor mortis. Yeah, I was gonna say why does that word sound weird? Yeah, whatever. Which leads to the conclusion that the disassembly of the body took place several hours after the death. Maybe it was not um, translated correctly. Yeah, probably. Anyway, okay, so there is no evidence of vital reaction of the bodies to the cuts made, which means that the latter were not made while the victims were still alive. Nevertheless, some skin and muscles from the necks were missing, mm. as well as extremities 
arms and legs, head and sexual organs. Lesions could not be determined, nor the nature of death or the tool of crime. Oi, oi, this is gross. Here we go. Get ready, cat. So in three, count them three, one, two, three medium sized pots <sighs> filled with uh, quote unquote ah! cream sauce. Are we talking like Alfredo or like honey walnut sauce or? I don't know. Maybe they're talking like a creme fraiche. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we reading? Maybe it's just so simple as a roux. I don't know. Ugh. Okay, so let's read that again. In no! three, <laughs> in three medium-sized pots filled with cream sauce, ah! the cooked meat, partially covered with skin, ew, and human hair was found. <laughs> Did you not review before you? <laughs> cannibalism and I was like okay she wins but <laughs> all I could find was boring poisonings okay because apparently to me I'm like if there's not if there's no blood I'm not reading it like it's just boring and <laughs> I don't even want to go <laughs> our listeners are vomiting because of some cream sauce and butt meat <laughs> and human hair <laughs> So we're not done with this paragraph. Right, great. Continue. <laughs> I want to hear the recipes this fucker's got for us. All right. So we've found out that it's um some kind of meat with human skin and hair in a cream sauce. <laughs> your butt <laughs> oh but only one pot had half of a portion oh my god just you know what just rip it off just just go just blast carl just... must have eaten the other piece shortly before being arrested <laughs> okay i think we might be okay yeah i'm sure we'll see um the last assumption though logical as it seems is not proven by facts so Allegedly. Police <sighs> found... Oh, no. It's getting bad again. Police found some human meat... Oh, no. It gets worse as you go on. I'm, I'm oh, seeing... I'm, I'm seeing words, and I just... I'm not... I'm just... All right. 
So he, the police found human meat allegedly, and one portion was visibly gone, but there was nothing to confirm that it was Carl who had eaten it. Equally possible was that he had sold meat or given it to his guests, or talking Jeffrey Dahmer at this point. Mm. Um, although the latter would seem like unnecessary waste. Yeah, I don't want to waste good meat. Ew. Fucking weirdos. God. However, I don't remember who Petrusky is at this point. I'm going to take a tequila shot. This is disgusting. Yeah, it's gross. Who's Petrusky? I don't know. Oh, this is, the, this is the guy that wrote it. Okay. So, however, the guy that wrote this report points out that other problems with establishing who actually could have eaten the meat... Quote, I should like to mention here that there's no evidence that Carl has ever sold the meat of his victims. Uh, for some reason, it says in brackets here, all evidence has obviously been eaten. However, it seems that his guess... However, it seems certain that his guess that all... That is the vagabonds were offered to eat it. Whatever. Again, this is the only assumption. Why would Carl rather offer meat to his guests than sell it on the market? By the way... Note the interesting fact that Petrusky is writing the report over a year after his death, after Carl's death. The legend of selling human meat on the market must have been widespread since the discoveries made in Munsterberg. As Forensic feels in duty uh, to refer to it as Petrusky continues, quote, in the third, oh boy, mm -hmm. in the third pot were found mm -hmm. numerous pieces of human skin and parts oh. of the aorta in a gelatinous mass. A bowl on the table in his room was filled with amber-colored fat that appeared to be human. Uh, so oh, happy I'm alive right now. Yeah, well, this is a looks up a little bit, a little bit of a brighter side. The biological test gave a weak positive result for the presence of human protein. Thank God, it was probably just some dead cat or something. Yeah, that's good. In the shed in which the meat pieces were found was, was also a barrel of bones that were cleaned of tendons, muscles, etc. That most probably had been priorly cooked. The investigation initially revealed the existence of six forearm bones, which means that they belonged to three people at least. Another traces... Other traces were found behind the shed. A part of a leg remained in the pond that Denke had dug many years before. And also skeletal pieces were uncovered in the local forest. I'm sorry, am I bothering you? Uh, no. You want me to go back to the... No, no, don't even sauce? say the fuck. Bitch, why the fuck did you have to... <laughs> Alright, so here's a full list of what's been sent to us for examination. Great. 16 femurs, of which one pair of remarkably strong ones, two pairs of very thin ones, and six pairs and two left femurs. Mm. 15 medium-sized pieces of long bones, four pairs of elbow bones. I don't know what the fuck this word is. Seven heads of rad eye. Nine lower parts of rad eye. Fuck is rad eye? Oh, sorry. What the hell? You looking it up? R I D I I. Um, it just autocorrects to radius. 
Oh, maybe what radius. In a rad eye in a circle. Yeah, so it just, I guess it's also radius. So okay. the circumference of a circle. Okay. If anyone doesn't know. Seven so, heads of a radius. That still doesn't I, make sense, but okay. okay. I, don't, I don't fucking know. We're just going to keep keep going here. We have a long list. All right. Eight lower parts of the elbow. A pair of upper shin bone. <clears throat> Nine parts of lower rad eye. Eight parts of the elbow. An upper shin bone. A pair of lower elbows and radii of which extremities still re- remain well connected. Yay! Tenants. A pair of upper arms and upper arm heads. I don't know what that is, but whatever. A pair of collarbones, two shoulder blades, eight heels and ankle bones, 120 toes, and a phalanx. Phalanx, whatever. 65 feet and metacarpal bones. Five first ribs and 150 pieces of ribs. All bones, with the exception of a few, were very light, porous, and fatless. So, like, how many people is that? Like, do do we discuss the? I don't know. We'll find out later. Okay, sounds good. Continue. In the municipal forest, remained as well as parts of a spine, and four parts of a clean dissected male pelvis. Mm. Which on one side showed traces of saw cutting. Mm. One piece of head bone was found. Uh, this is a piece of the inferior petrosal sinus area. Mm. Jagged on the front side. It looks broken and bears visible signs of sharp sawing on its top. This piece of bone is cross marked with ink. Yeah. Okay. Given the size and condition of the bones, we can assume that there was one particularly strong individual, two others were of delicate bone structure, and another suffered from coxavera. Whatever that is. The cutting surfaces of the bones are jagged, as if blunt force was applied, such as the blunt end of an axe or hammer. Some bones were visibly sawed, a few spots showed traces of a sharp tool, an axe most probably, Similarly, such traces were found on the articulations, which must have been cut with a knife. Based on these findings, we were able to declare that the bones sent to us belonged to at least eight people. Of course, other bones were yet to be uncovered over the years to come. The last pieces, including the head bones, which is a skull, whatever, were found in the late 1940s, just after World War II, Um, by now Polish inhabitants of the house. Considerably more revealing was Carl's dental collection. We received a total of 351 teeth. These were found in a money bag and in two tin boxes on which pepper and salt was written, as well as in three paper bags, which which were destined to keep pepper. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they were partly sorted. <laughs> yeah, I guess. They were partly sorted according to their size. The molars were in the money bag, while the others in the two boxes and in the paper bag. In yet another paper bag were teeth that belonged probably to a single person. And in the third bag, three lower incisors were found <coughs> with strongly <coughs> atrophic structure. Uh, This one came probably from an old individual. All teeth, with the exception of six, were well preserved. The investigation led us very notable results. The remains of the bones 
were definitely of a minimum of eight victims. However, other circumstances of the case make it likely that the number of victims was higher. The teeth that were found belonged certainly to at least 20 people. Professor Euler noted that some of the individual teeth appear more than twice as often than is statistically expected. This concerns second premolars and incisors, which suggests that there might have been even more victims. The fact that the majority of the victims suffered from, I don't know, whatever that is, the majority of victims suffered from caries, whatever, leads us to think that the number of victims was higher. In addition, it must be stated that people in old age lacked proper dental treatment. Professor Euler estimates cautiously that the teeth belonged to at least 25 individuals. The extractions were done in different ways. Some teeth seem to have been taken out quite easily due to senile atrophy, while others were rather solidly rooted and extracted with force. In many cases, we discern parts of the alveolar wand. Some specimens, especially the, with the molars and premolars, show fractures in tooth enamel that couldn't have occurred during victim's lifetime. On some, there were traces of claws with very sharp edges. The appearance of some roots seemed to justify the assumption that the jaw had been cooked in advance. <coughs> Excuse me. Individual teeth have been broken, probably in the process of extraction. Again, Carl had no luck. The last remark sounds a little odd. <laughs> Especially interesting is the answer to the question of the age of the victims. From the list later mentioned, we know nearly all victims. There are no young individuals among them. Now there are four wisdom teeth that clearly came from the same people or individual that have peculiar, peculiar, oh my God, peculiarities usually found oh, on the that's teeth. That's a word I can't say for sure. That's <laughs> <Yes>, not. Uh, <laughs> anyway, they have oddities usually found on the teeth of a 50 year old. The investigation of the other teeth showed at least four-fifths of the victims were seniors. Oh, that's sad. Anyway, Professor Euler summarized that among the victims, there was certainly one person who was not older than 16 years. Seemingly, he did not, he did not figure on the mentioned list. While the majority were significantly older than 40 years, 40 years, sorry, Two individuals were probably 20 to 30 year old and one between the 20th or 30th and 40th year of his life. The test did not give satisfactory results concerning the sex of the individuals or their jobs. For obvious reasons, nothing specific can be said about the time that elapsed after their death. What is certain is only that some teeth have been extracted years ago. The pulling out of the teeth of young people must have taken place many weeks ago. In any case, the study of the teeth brought much more information regarding the number and age of victims than could have been learned from the bones. It must be taken into consideration that the latter were only partially recovered. Next part of the report is with the findings that didn't seem to have anything in common with the transforming of human tissue. Nevertheless, further uh, investigation revealed that Carl had, ex had experimented with human leather and soap making oh. based on oh. human fat. Wow, wait, so what year is this? The 1920s? Oh, yeah, so that's before Ed Gein. Darn, they could have been really good friends. Yeah, probably. Although his methods remained utterly primitive. 
Among Carl's suspenders, three pairs were made of human skin. Ugh. They are about six centimeters wide and 70 centimeters long. The leather is not smooth and at one spot broken. It seems not tanned, but only free of subskin tissued and dried. At one spot, it's obvious that he had made cuts under the nipples, which oh. are still clearly visible. Four are patched with human skin taken from the pubic area. <laughs> Some traces of louse knits. The fuck is that? That's lice. Oh. Were also oh. discerned under the microscope. Oh, come on, stop, dude. All suspenders Ooh. show traces of use, and one of them, Carl, was found. Okay, that's weird. Basically, one of the suspenders was found on him himself. Like, he was wearing them. Uh, besides suspenders, he also had leather straps cut leather straps cut out of human skin that he treated with shoe polish <laughs> and parts of which were sewn together with rags and pieces of cloth. Many of these laces were made of human hair. That's human hair, if you didn't hear that. One sample was one centimeter long, gray, white, and according to study, was taken stop, from the head. Stop, 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 stop. Sorry, my dog's trying to, like, squeeze himself between me and the computer, and he's going to, like, rip all the cords out, so. All right, continue. Okay, so one sample was one centimeter long, gray, white, and according to a study, was taken from the head. From which area of the body came the other pieces, this cannot be said. In addition to various old clothes which were in the apartment, there were 41 large and small bundles of rags bent together with straps. The, the investigation led no results concerning these old worn-out clothes. Equally strange was Carl's collection of coins. This consists of round, flat, unfired clay pieces, size ranging from, I don't know what the fuck these are, a fenning, what happened? Okay. A fenning to 50 fennings. If anyone knows what that is, I don't know what that is. Which have just one side of the image of a real coin. A large number of ID cards and pr private papers of several persons were found in Carl's room, as well as account books on revenue from the garden, on working hours, and so on. They're, they were relatively well-managed and clear. More attention was attached to some loose sheets of paper on which names of 30 men and women appear. In the front of every name, there is a date, probably the date of death, of the person. At number 31, there's only a date. The record is chronological. Numbering starts only at number 11. In case of women, only the first name is indicated. The notes for men were much more detailed. Usually with date of birth, places to stay, status of the person concerned. The assumption is that this is the list of victims is justified by the fact that the ID cards found in Carl's room belong to the people whose whereabouts could not be identified otherwise. By the appearance of the sheets, we can assume that the list has not been made in one day. On one side of the sheets are initials of the name followed by a number which most likely indicates the <sighs> weight of the person concerned. And on another slip of paper next to the name stands what's followed. Dead, 122. Naked, 107. Disemboweled, 83. The last figure is then repeated next to the name of the person concerned on the last table. Of tools used for the killings and fragmentation of bodies, these can be said. Three axes, 
a large wood saw, a tree saw, a pickaxe, and three knives. All of these have been seized by us with the exception of the axes and the tree saw, which are sent to be tested for traces of human blood. The saw is a large tool with which, as the microscopic examination revealed, also would have been sawn. So they found wood on it. Sure, whatever. The detection of human blood succeeded. However, we suppose that he used much finer tools, probably the tree saw, to cut heads and pelvic bones. The pickaxe was used for the last assassination attempt, and human blood can be stated on this tool as well. It has a length of 40 centimeters and is pointed forward. As for knives, we could not make these things all clear. Then Dr. Petruski's report continues with good information about Carl himself, but these are pretty scarce. Uh, the killer has had a good reputation of somewhat a, if somewhat a recluse citizen. As a child, he was believed to be dull. He wasn't able to learn and he didn't speak. He only begun to speak at age six. Teachers declared him an idiot and often punished him. He is very obstinate and lacks respect for teachers, they noticed. They noted. As an adult, he was treated with suspicion, but rather because of his solitary status and sexual indifference. He was said to be neither man nor a woman. Um, his family stated that he never showed signs of fear or disgust. However, he had no violent temper, they thought. He had accepted their invitation only once, but it was a memorable anyhow. Uh, his brother recalled that Carl had eaten two pounds of meat, described himself as this German word, which means a glutton. Nevertheless, Carl's good manners, humble behavior, and occasional charity earned him the nickname of Vater Denke, Father Denke. Carl's personality is far from established. We all know about him. All we know about him comes from documents or sparse remarks of his relatives and co-citizens made only after his death. Little doubt people became biased by the shocking revelations found in his apartment. His crimes were not motivated sexually, and his conduct seems rather rational. From all information that we have, we can assume that he was extremely selfish, a not mentally gifted man, unable to distinguish moral categories. Probably he didn't mean to harm people, but his need for food was primordial. After a series of failures at school, farming, business, he found simple and effective means of procuring food and probably income by killing vagabonds he met at a train station. He could gain their trust quite easily and take them home virtually unnoticed. The train station was a short walk from his place and were both on the outskirts of town. At the end, we shall also ask one pertinent question. How could Carl's crimes be perpetrated for at least 15 years completely unnoticed by anyone in Munsterberg, including his neighbors? And systems were abundant. Sometimes before Vinces Oliver escaped the killer in Extremis, at least two men managed the same, but they didn't report the fact to police. One apprentice covered in blood ran out of Carl's apartment and he was never heard from again. Sometime later, a vagabond complained to Carl's neighbors that he had been asked to write a letter and soon after found himself with a chain on his neck. He was stronger than Carl and made his way outside. Nobody reported this to the police either. Other facts occurred as well. For instance, repeated complaints of Carl's neighbors about a strong penetrating smell from his apartment. The neighbors noticed as well he always had plenty of meat, even in the worst period of inflation. They assumed, however, that it was dog meat, oh, so gave little, eh, well, they don't care back then. 
Um, they assumed, however, it was dog meat, so gave little attention to it, even though the black market slaughter of dogs was illegal. Well, I guess they did care back then. Um, nor the buckets of blood he poured into the courtyard made them think. <laughs> he was often heard hammering and sawing at night, but no neighbor would become suspicious. After all, he was preparing the dishes to be sold at the morning market. It is quite remarkable as well that he was probably often seen going out at night with large heavy bags and returning home with empty hands sometime later. What was he doing? What was in those bags? Why at night? Where did the garment, old garments and shoes that he was selling come from? It seems plausible that some neighbors were suspicious about him, but as long as nobody from the town was hurt, he remained safe. And that's all I have. Thank God. I did have pictures. I don't know know if you saw, if you click them, there's a description. The first one is the only known picture of him that was taken shortly after his death. Uh, And then there's, oh, this one I didn't add a description. It's just pots in his house. Another inside view of his apartment with pots and shit. Then there's skin and shoes and rags, old meat bones and the tools he probably used god my story's gonna be really lame well you know (laughs) let's hear it all right well if everybody's still here hi welcome um if you're nauseous go suck on a peppermint smell peppermint um ginger helps nausea or you know go throw up i'll give you a minute All right, so I'm going to do Linda Hazard. Uh, She is from Minnesota. So, yeah, it's no cannibalism, so uh, it's good. So it's actually the complete opposite of cannibalism. It's starvation. So, all right, here we go. Uh, So uh, Linda Laura Hazard was an American quack, fraud, swindler, and serial killer noted for her promotion of fasting as a treatment and born in 1867 in Carver County, Minnesota. She was a, can you please stop looking at yourself? It's extremely distracting. Thank you. Uh, she was imprisoned by the state of Washington for a number of deaths at a sanitarium that she operated there in the early 20th century. Her treatments were responsible for at least 15 deaths. She had no medical degree, but was licensed to practice medicine in Washington State through a loophole that grandfathered in some practitioners of alternative medicine without degrees. According to her book, The Science of Fasting, she studied under Edward Hooker Dewey, MD, a champion of fasting. She created a sanitarium. Oh, I got a burp so bad. She created a sanitarium, Wilderness Heights, in Olala, Washington. Um, Ooh, excuse me, wherein patients fasted for days, weeks, or months on a diet of small amounts of tomato and asparagus juice. That is okay. Uh, and occasionally a, a small teaspoon of orange juice. While some patients survived and publicly sang her praises, dozens died under her care. Hazard claimed that they all died of undisclosed or hit, hit, hit her toe? Hit her toe. Where are you? Oh. I've never seen that word before. Hit her toe? Hi, her toe? Okay. Hi, th- hi, third toe. 
whatever. Sure. Undisclosed or undiagnosed illnesses such as cancer or cirrhosis of the liver. So pretty much saying that like, oh, they didn't die because of me. They just had other problems that they didn't tell me about. Um, Her opponents claim that they all died of starvation. Local residents referred to the place as Starvation Heights. She assured people that her method was a panacea panacea for all manner of ills because she was able to rid the body of toxins that cause imbalances in the body. Man, she would be perfect for MLMs. Yeah. Because I can't stand the whole, oh, rid your body of toxins. Bitch, my bladder, my kidneys, my liver, and my poop hole are all doing it for me. I don't need your stupid products. No. Right, nope. Sorry. I'm going to get into a whole different topic if I keep going. Um, during her medical career, Hazard wrote three books about what she claimed to be the science behind fasting and how it could cure diseases. The first was Fasting for the Cure of Disease. Really creative. Followed by diet and disease and systematic cleansing. And a fifth revised and amplified edition of Fasting for the Cure of Disease was published in 1927 under the title Scientific Fasting, the Ancient and Modern Key to Health. Maybe if I could find these on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. In 1912, she was convicted of manslaughter for the death of Claire Williamson, a wealthy British woman who weighed less than 50 pounds at the time of her death. At the trial, it was proven that Hazard had forged Williamson will, or Williamson's will and stolen most of her valuables. Williamson's sister, Dorothea, also took the treatment, and it was alleged that only survived because a family friend showed up just in time to remove her from the compound. It is suggested that one of them managed to smuggle a telegram to alert the family. However, by the time of the, <clears throat> excuse me, by the time the arrival, Claire had already died. Dorothea was too weak to leave on her own, weighing less than 60 pounds. I really wish we knew how old these women were. But either way, that's pretty nasty. Excuse me. She later testified against Hazard at the trial. Uh, She was sentenced to two up to 20 years in prison, which she served in the Washington State Penitentiary in Walla Walla. (laughs) (laughs) She released on... (laughs) We're so childish. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, she was released on parole on December 26, 1915, after serving two years, and the following year, Governor Ernest Lister gave her full pardon. She and her husband, Samuel Chrisman Hazard, moved to New Zealand, where she practiced as a dietitian and an wow. osteopath until 1920. In 1917, a New Zealand newspaper from one of... Oh, Monaguani. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Monaguani. Uh, report, <laughs> reported that she held a, a practicing certificate from the medical board of the state of Washington. Because she used the title doctor, she was charged in Auckland under the Medical Practitioner Act for practicing medicine while not registered to do so, found guilty, and fined five... I don't know what that sign is. Is it pounds? Yeah. Okay, five pounds uh, plus cost, which... Wow. Um, According to the... whatever it's called, um, that would be $462... I don't know. Oh, in 2014. As of, okay, so five pounds back then in 1917 is $462.13 in 2014. 
So still, that's that's hardly nothing. Um, in 1920, she returned to Olala, Washington, and opened a new sanitarium known publicly as a School of Health, since her medical license had been revoked, and continued to supervise fast until it burned to the ground in 1935, and it was never rebuilt. Hilariously enough, Linda Hazard died of starvation in 1938 while attempting to fast. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Uh, on March 28, 1910, Earl Edward Erdman, that's a handful, um, a city yeah, a city of Seattle civil, oh my god. On March 28, 1910, Earl Edward Erdman, a city of Seattle civil engineer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jeez. Talk about a fucking tongue oh twister. Oh god. Um, died of starvation in the Seattle General Hospital. He had kept a diary which uh, detailed Hazard's treatment during the preceding weeks that provides an insight into the treatment Hazard described or prescribed her patient. <laughs> okay. The following okay. is from his diary. February 1st, saw Dr. Hazard and began treatment on this date. No breakfast, mash souped. What is mash souped? Mash soup dinner. Mash soup supper. February 5th through the 7th. One orange breakfast, mash soup dinner, mash soup soup supper. You know what's making me uncomfortable? How much like, it says I like, mash soup? Like, I love soup, and I love mashed potatoes. But yeah. why do you gotta call it mash soup? You can't just call it, like, a chowder, or... Or just say just mashed soup? potatoes? Or just soup? Is that, like, watered-down potatoes? Like, I don't know what mash soup is. And also, what's the difference between dinner and soup? Yeah, I don't supper. know the difference. I I think I thought supper was before dinner, like time. I thought supper was like late, like late, late. Okay, wow. this one. Um, all right. Anyways, February eighth, one large breakfast, mash soup dinner, mash soup supper. Um, uh, February 9th through the eleventh, same thing. Only now it's strained soup. Don't know what that means. February twelfth. Orange breakfast, orange dinner, orange supper. Um, February 13th, two oranges for breakfast, no dinner, no supper. February 14th, one cup of strained tomato broth at 6 p.m. <clears throat> February 15th, one cup hot strained tomato soup, night and morning. February 16th, one cup hot strained tomato soup, a.m. and p.m. Slept better last night, head quite dizzy, eyes yellow, streaked, and red. Whoa, that sounds bad. Yeah, February 17th, ate three oranges today. February 19th, called on Dr. Dawson today at his home, slept well Saturday night. February 20th, ate strained juice of two small oranges at 10 a.m., dizzy all day. Ate strained juice of two small oranges at 5 p.m. February 21st, ate one cup settled and strained tomato broth, back ache today, and just below the ribs. Uh, February 22nd, ate juice of two Wait, small oranges. what did orange you say? Ate one cup pain settled in, oh, pain. pain in below the ribs and in his back. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> February 22nd, ate juice of two small oranges at 10 a.m. Backache today in right side, just below the ribs. February 23rd, slept but little last night. Ate two small oranges at 9 a.m. Went after milk and felt very bad. Ate two small oranges at 6 p.m. They get more and more detailed. It's kind of weird. February 24th. Slept better Wednesday night, kind of frontal headache in a.m., ate two small oranges at 10 a.m., ate one and a half cups of hot tomato soup at 6 p.m., heart hit up at 95 minute, and sweat considerably. 
What does heart hit up mean? I feel like maybe it means like heartbeat is up to 95 minutes. Like 95 things a minute. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, and he's sweating a lot. Um, February 25th, slept pretty well Thursday night. A one half cups of tomato broth at 11 a.m. Ate one and a half cups of tomato broth at 6 p.m. Pain in right below ribs. And February 26th, did not sleep well last night, or very well Friday night. Pain in right side, just below ribs and back. Pain quite in night, or quit in night. Ate one and a half cups of tomato broth at 10.45 a.m. Ate two and a half pump small oranges at 4.30 p.m. Felt better afternoon than for the last week. This diet continued more or less unchanged until his hospitalization on March 28th. He died later that afternoon, just before his co-worker uh, transfused some blood to him. Mm-mm. So, yeah. <coughs> so, that's from February... Uh, yeah, February 1st until the 26th. He ate pretty much just juice, oranges, and broth. Sounds pretty and bad. Then- and yeah, and then died on March 28th. So for two months straight. Yikes. Yeah. And then uh, I just have pictures of her face and some uh, newspaper clippings. What was it that she was claiming to do? She was claiming that if you um, fast, that you would like heal better and get over illnesses better and. Yeah, and then the last picture, I think this is the last picture, is, uh, I think this is actually the picture of when she died, because you know how, like, back then, they're like, oh, if you die, you get your picture taken, kind of thing? She was very, very The one small. that says, Dora Williamson starving before rescue? Or the oh, last... Oh, that Dora? Picture. Oh, that, okay, never mind. Yeah. The one where it's, like, an old lady in a chair? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Mm. Yeah, so... Yikes. Mine literally was the opposite of yours. Your guy couldn't stop eating, and mine was like, hey, don't eat. <laughs> yeah, hey. You'll heal stuff if you don't eat, apparently. Also, if anyone is thinking of not eat, don't even start, Iro. I swear to God. Oh my God. He's doing the little boofs. Shut up. Shush. Yeah, he's, he's a lot like Nala. <laughs> That's he's funny. like Nala and Pumbaa put together. He's dumb as shit, and then he likes to boof. So, isn't that right? That sounds um, fun. Please eat. That's that's my thing. So. Yes, please eat. And if you're thinking of not eating, please reach out. Yeah, reach out to us or to someone you could talk to that is professional. Probably you should talk to besides us. But we'll be we'll be here to listen. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we can give you people to talk to because we're not professionals. No, but some of us have been there. Also, if you're thinking about eating human meat, don't do it. It's gross. Yeah, maybe. Because if you are a serial killer, guess what? I'm not going to read into it. You will not be on this show. (laughs) And you will not get famous from us reading about you on our show. Yeah, no. We're good. Not happening. I'm not doing that again. This is why I don't talk about egg game. It's just... (laughs) It's just nasty, okay? Don't do well, it. Well, I think you could probably talk about him now. He's nasty. Well, Carl decided to do some new uh, tricks. Yeah. Yeah, tricks. Let's, let's <laughs> call it. Yeah, let's call it that. Jeffrey Dahmer, too. Not a huge fan. You know? It's just, it's just, it's rough. It's rough, okay? It's rough. Anyway, did you have a second story you wanted to go through? 
oh no no considering i found that one i was like oh yeah we're good and then you know you kind of stole a spotlight with the whole like eating nipples and stuff so i don't think he ate them he used them as suspenders uh, it's okay we don't need to we don't need to go over it it's just cream sauce you just kind of lost me after that point (laughs) (laughs) it lost me after that point it's just all kind of a big blur yeah all right. Well, hopefully I can get this one edited and up relatively soon. We'll see. Yeah, thanks, but, dogs. Yeah, um, that was fun. All of our dogs, every single one of them, besides Nala. You know what, Simba? That's enough. Well, happy birthday, Nala. Yeah, it's Nala's birthday today, my little baby I angel. Sworn she was already seven. No, we did the math yesterday. She turned seven today. Oh, that's crazy baby. to believe we got her when she was eight months old, and she's. Seven years old now. Oh, the baby. Nala, you're seven. God, it's like birthday month for your dogs and yeah, my dog. <laughs> July is birthday month here because Timon's the 30th of July. That's crazy. Yeah. All of my pets have their birthdays in July. <laughs> so two of them just turned two. Beasley yep. just turned five. Nala yep. turned seven. How yep. old is Timon? Oh man, he's got years oh, on him. Man, he's, how, be like he's younger than he Nala. I think he's like six. God, cats live forever, man. I'm gonna look it up. I have a picture of when he was a kitten on my Instagram. I'm not good at math, but we'll figure it out together. Because you came over when he was a baby kitten, and he ate pizza off of your lap. Okay. Oh. So 2014, he was he was a baby in 2014. Oh okay. So that would make him seven. Is he the same age as Nala? No. That doesn't make sense. Right? I thought yesterday we did the math and Nala was eight months, turning one year old. I don't know math, dude. We got Nala in 2014, and she was eight months old, so her she, her birthday would be 2013, so maybe she's turning eight? I could have sworn you said last year she was seven because your vet said she was considered elderly. Oh, maybe she's turning eight. She's seven forever. Okay, well, Cameron's saying she's seven forever, but maybe she's turning eight. I don't remember. Because in 2014 is when we got her in April. So 2014. Right, right. In 2014, she would have also turned one. So she would have turned one in 2014. Yep. Making her eight? She. So how old <laughs> would you be if you, if I was born? Oh my God, she's Googling it. Googling it. Uh, July 15th, 20, it'd be 2013. Seven. What? Wait. You said she was eight months old in April of 2014, right? She was eight months old in April of 2014. Okay. So in 2013, she was born. So 2021 minus 2013. It says seven. Okay, then she's seven. Is that not right? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, because why eight. do 2021? Eight. Yeah, eight. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Nala, you're eight. I told everyone the wrong number. It's okay. 
Yeah, because I remember you you told me you took her to the vet, and the vet said she's considered elderly, and you were really upset about it. She's considered a senior, and it made me very upset. Senior, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I lied then. She's actually eight. Hmm. But, yeah, so she turns eight, and then Timon turns seven. Because he was a kitten. He was a baby in August of 2014. He was, like, a few weeks, like, four weeks or something in August. Yeah. It's been fun. (laughs) Anyway, it's birthday month here. That was a long diatribe for no reason that no one really cares about but us. Right. Anyway, birthday month. When was Iro born? Uh, December of last year. Huh? He fucked it up. What are you talking about? We had oh, yes, July, yeah, and then yeah. he goes around and says, you know what? I'm in December. December. <laughs> I want to be dad's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway. Um, is there anything you wanted to add? <sighs> Eat and don't eat meat of people. <laughs> yeah, maybe not do that. Yeah. All don't right, eat people well. meat. Go eat a pizza. Oh yeah, pizza. Eat a pizza. That's always. Oh, that's my new thing. Don't eat people meat. Eat pizza. Yeah, Boom. don't eat people. Eat a pizza. Draco, if you could, um, like. Yeah, you know what you could do, Draco. Write that could... up for me and yeah. some cool print. <laughs> you know what you should do? Do like a picture of Cat and I, where, um, like we're the crows, but we're holding up like, like, like guns. We're back to back, holding our hands in like the shape of guns, like not actual guns, but like our feathers are formed into guns. You know what I'm saying? Back to back with like the tattoo, the tattoo banner above our head that says, "Eat pizza, not people." Yes. Yeah. Is that what is that what it was? Well, I said don't eat people meat, eat pizza, yeah. but that's don't really eat long and wingated. So if you want to say eat pizza, not people, then that's fine yeah. too. Yeah. With that big tattoo banner thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Portrait. Cool. Is that what's called? You have like words no. above and below. Whatever. I don't know. Do something. Do cool. something. You got it. <laughs> Okay, well, if you want to send us an email, you can at a murder of crows podcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook are all at AMOC Podcast. Our close Facebook group is Our Murder of Crows, like yours, mine, and ours. And we have a Patreon. <laughs> Iro saying shut up because no one goes to your Patreon anyway. <laughs> and the podcast. We don't even go to the to the to the Patreon, but um, yeah, Iro doesn't like it. Iro's not a fan of a murder of crows. No, he's been in here this entire episode, and he's just like, this is fucking dumb. You guys suck. He's pissed about the cream sauce. Oh, my God. He was losing it at the cream <laughs> sauce. He's just like, oh, my God. What did you just say? You're fucking nasty, Karen. I'm sorry. The woman. what sauce? Actually, I don't think Iroh's ever met you. No, he hasn't. Oh, he's really upset. Well, not me. All right. But it's not my like, fault you fuck, got a very COVID. I, I met your fucking brother, but I haven't met you. What the fuck? <laughs> Very upset. Very All right, upset. guys. Well, we love you. Eat people. No. <laughs> Karen! <laughs> Eat pizza, not people. Oh, my God. We are in. Oh, my God. We are never seeing Karen. Oh, my God. Ira, we are never going to see her. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm a vegetarian. Oh, oh, are you? Are you? I, I thought so. She's having cream sauce over there. <laughs> <laughs> I got the soft pink meat.
Ah, okay. <laughs> yep. Kaka, we're, we're ending this. Bye, Kaka. <laughs>